Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, if you would. 1 John chapter 2. We'll spend the majority of our time in chapter 3, but this is where we'll start. Let me say uh, by way of introduction that I never want to become cliche when I talk about my sin or me being a sinner. The word sin should never become just an overused phrase or an expression that we don't give much thought to. We should never flippantly use the word sinner as a stereotype or a typecast of or description of ourselves without seriously considering how God deals with this sin. People say things like, and I have in the past, but people say things like, I'm just a sinner and sin is what I do. Well, that's making light of sin. The soul that sins shall surely die, God says. That's how serious sin is. The wages of sin is death. If a man goes out to meet God without a substitute for sin, eternal condemnation awaits them. This is no light matter. All sin is against God. David said that in Psalm 51 verse 4. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Our sin should never become something that we just lackadaisically, half-heartedly consider, consider because sin is out to destroy us and destroy us eternally. Then you add and consider the fact that God hates sin. God hates sin because all of it's against Him. It's against His authority and it's against his right to be God. Mankind, represented by Adam as their federal head, chose his own will over the one who formed him out of the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life. It wasn't any light matter. God said, in the day you eat thereof, this fruit that I forbid you to eat of, you shall surely die. God gave him one commandment. Men talk about keeping the Ten Commandments. Man can't keep one. Adam couldn't. And he was created perfect in the image of God. He's the only man that truly had a free will. And you see where our free will will get us. Adam chose his own will over the will of the one who provided everything for him. God made everything, made all these trees, fruit, made every provision, put him in the garden and said, you can only, don't partake of the one. That's my tree. That's my fruit. And this is why God hates sin. It's nothing short of disobedience against the one who created for created us provides for us and sustains us 
We were created for the purpose of loving and worshiping and honoring and obeying God, our Creator in all things. God gave Adam a helpmate, a woman to love, one to cherish, one to sh share this wonderful existence with. She, she was deceived and disobeyed God. You know the story well. The serpent said, did God tell you uh, not to eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said, well, we can eat of every tree but one. If we eat of that one that's in the midst of the garden, we shall die. And the serpent said, you shall not surely die. In other words, God's holding you back. He knows that if you eat of that fruit, your eyes will be opened and you shall see that you're the same as He is. And she believed that lie. He said, you'll be wise. You shall be as God. You shall know good and evil. And the Scripture says, and the woman saw. That's, that always makes for trouble. She walked by sight and not by faith. She doubted what God had said. She didn't believe what God had told her and the man. And the scripture says the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise. That's how we get in trouble. Now let me... Read here, John chapter 2, verse 15. Read along with me. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. John says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away. And the lust thereof. All this is going to burn. It's going to be destroyed. And then he says this, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. What did the woman do? She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave it to her husband with her and he did eat. Man, we can't blame it on the woman. <laughs> can't blame it on the woman. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that the serpent beguiled. That word means he deceived. He seduced Eve through his subtlety. That word means trickery through his craftiness, and he corrupted her. But not Adam. No, Adam sinned with his eyes wide open. Adam chose Eve over God. Adam bowed to Eve's will and not God's. Adam had a free will, and he lost ours. And everything changed in just a microsecond Everything God said came to pass. God said in the day that you eat thereof, you're going to die. And sin caused them to die. And what the first thing they saw, they were naked. 
Sin caused them to hide from God. Sin caused them to make their own covering. Sin caused them to blame everyone but themselves. Adam said, the woman you gave me, she gave me to eat. Eve said, the serpent that you put in the garden beguiled me. And because of that, I did eat. It's everybody else's fault but ours, isn't it? That's what sin does. And sin does the same today to men and women. This is why God hates sin. We ought to hate it too. This sin was against God and Him alone, and so was ours. God is angry with the wicked every day. This is no light matter. Well, I sin because I'm a sinner. Yep, that's true. Sin's what you are, and your sin is a result of being what you are. But it's no light matter. It'll wind you up in hell. And God is justified when He speaks against us. That's what David said. My sin's against Him and Him only. And He's justified when He speaks against me. God is clear of any wrongdoing when He judges us for our sin that's against Him. Our sin has been with us since the day we were born. We were shaped in iniquity and in sin did our mother conceive us. And that can go all the way back to Eve, the mother of, of, of Cain and Abel and all that followed after that. David said we're estranged from the womb. That's a strong word. You know what it means? It means profaned. We're profaned. We're alienated. We're made hostile, having our affections destroyed. And we are so from the womb. And we go astray as soon as we're born speaking lies. Did you do that? How many times have you parents seen and heard that? See them do it. And they'll lie about it. We come forth from the womb speaking lies. And God calls us wicked. And that's what we are. Because of sin, we're wicked, we're immoral, we're wrong, morally bankrupt, bad, corrupt, black-hearted, ungodly, unholy, unrighteous. Our sin has made us everything that God hates. And we now fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we are by nature the children of wrath even as others. And being dead, we can't see it. Man can't see it. Man, I tell you, I'm not perfect, but he'll also in the same breath say, but I'm not all that bad. No, you're bad. As the song says, bad to the bone. You're bad to the bone. But we don't see it, not unless God gives us life and not unless God reveals it to us. Sin's not something that we just flippantly consider it's an evil out to destroy us and god hates it and if you go out to meet god in your sin you're going to see how much he hates it john wrote if we say we have fellowship with god and we walk in darkness we lie and do not the truth and he continued and he said if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us 
And if we say that we've not sinned, we make Him, God, a liar and His Word is not in us. So don't say you're not a sinner. You're condemning yourself. You're deceiving yourself if you do. All of us, every single one of us, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what God said. That's why we can't be flippant and just cliche about our sin. We've got to make it an urgent priority to get rid of it. It's got to go. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, there's only one way we can. There's only one way sin can be dealt with, and that is in and by and through a substitute, a perfect substitute. It's got to be a substitute that God will accept, and it's got to be perfect to be accepted so that there's only one man that ever lived that fits that bill, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the most important question of all Scripture is what think ye of Christ? What do you think of Him? What what do you think of God's Son, who is God the Son, when it comes to putting away your sin? But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, us not being the world, those that God chose before the foundation world, even when we were dead in sins, He's quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and He's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There's no salvation apart from Him. There's no reconciliation between the sinner and God apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I want you to see this morning. This is an important, this is an urgent, critical thing. Sin and how it's to be put away. That's what I'm talking to you about this morning. Sinners becoming sons. (laughs) Isn't that an amazing thing? Sinners becoming sons. And the first thing that God reveals to sinners who become sons is their need. Those that are well have no need. Those that are well don't go to a doctor, do they? Who goes to a doctor? Those who need a doctor, those that are sick. Those that are well have no need of Christ who is the one thing needful. And if God shows a sinner their need, they'll see that they need the Lord Jesus Christ. That He's the one thing needful in order for them to live. You know, what is the one thing needful for someone that's dead? Life. They need life. Nothing else is going to benefit one who's dead. You can tell them to, to come to the front of the church and join the church and and all this stuff, but they can't because they're dead. If they can take the first step, the rest of the steps isn't any problem. It's taking the first one when you're dead. You can't take the first step. But Jesus Christ is life. He said so Himself. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way to life. He's the truth of how life is given. He is Himself life. And no man comes to the Father but by Him. 
You know, that's a big exception there. No man can come to the Father but by Him. That narrows it down, doesn't it? Pretty slim. Pretty slim. That's why He's the one thing that's needed. Now, look over a page of chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3. I got some good news for you this morning. I can't wait to tell you about it. This is good, good news for sinners. Sinners becoming sons. In verse 1 here of John, 1 John chapter 3, the first part of the verse, we read, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Not the world again. I'm, I'm, but He's bestowed it upon us, those to whom John is writing this letter to. He says that we should be called what? The sons of God. I preached from this text earlier this year and told you then how that some of the words in the original text were left out of the authorized King James Version. Uh, even though I wouldn't recommend the revised version or any other version over the King James Version. But the revised version on this particular verse adds two Greek words that ought not to have been left out of the King James. And those two Greek words are interpreted into three English words. And they are, and we are. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God and we are. We are what? The sons of God. You might ask, isn't everyone a son of God? No. John is talking about the us. He's talking about those whom the Father loves. The Father hath bestowed upon certain men and women called us in this verse. They're called them and other portions of the Scripture. Uh, but this is a manner of love beyond compare, making sinners into sons. Why are they called the sons of God? Because they are. They are the sons of God. And this, that's what makes it so amazing. Now, I want you to listen to me closely. If you're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as the only substitute for sin, the only one who can put your sin away, you're not only called perfect, holy, righteous, and just, but you are perfectly. You're perfect and holy, righteous, and just. Do you believe that? That means that you've been given life. That means that your sin's been put away. That means that you really are the sons of God. And uh, the Greek word for sons in this verse is a word called technon. And it comes from a, a Greek word which means uh, timoria. Uh, for whatever that's worth. But it, the, the word actually means child. Whether daughter or son. So uh, this goes for you believing women also. Sons means child. Daughter, son, doesn't matter. Means a child. I love all my children the same. I have three boys and two girls. 
Doesn't matter that they're a boy or a girl. They're my children and I love them. So we get that out of the way. This is significant because being a child of God comes by the virtue of adoption. It comes by a new birth. It comes by a new creation. It's not owing to the merits of the or the worth of men. It's, it's owing to the free, rich, and sovereign grace of God. As many as you know, I've been adopted twice. Uh, so I know something about adoption. My parents, Leo and Sally Edmondson, chose to adopt me before I was born. I've told you the story. I, uh, I had no say. I had no choice, no will in the matter. I, had, I wasn't born yet. They made the arrangements. They signed the papers. They paid the price. What did I do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I was just a recipient of their love, mercy, and grace. My Heavenly Father also chose to adopt me before I was ever born. He determined that my mother and father would adopt me naturally, but more importantly, He determined to adopt me and give me to Christ spiritually. He foreknew me. He predetermined to make me His. He gave me Christ uh, to Christ to redeem me. And in the fullness of time, He called me. He called me by His grace. He gave spiritual life to me because I was dead. He justified me by His grace. Christ justly kept the law in my place. And Christ justly satisfied God's holy and strict justice in my stead and redeemed me by the shedding of His blood. And one day, I am going to be glorified. How do I know that? Well, it's the final link in the chain of God's grace. My redemption is all linked together from beginning to end. For whom He, God, our Heavenly Father, did foreknow, there's the first link, he also did predestinate. He also, that's the second link. He predetermined to be conformed to the image of his son. That those that he foreknew and predestinated might be the firstborn among many brethren, uh, being conformed to his son who is the firstborn of many brethren. And moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. There's the next link. And whom He called, them He justified. There's the next one. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. So once again, God knew me before I was born. God determined to make me just like Christ. I can't help but to smile when I say that. Me? Oh, if you know me, you know that's a miracle of grace. You can ask my wife. In the realm of time, He called me by His grace. He gave me life and He justified me in Christ. He declared me righteous in my substitute. And one day very soon, it won't be long. It won't be long for any of us, even you young folks. You're going to be amazed how quick this life goes by. One day very soon, He's going to glorify me. You know what glorified means? It means to be conformed to Christ's image. It means to be just like Him. 
in by and through the Lord Jesus Christ, I am a sinner who's made a son. 1 John 3, verse 2, look at it. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Now, if we're looking to Christ as our justification, then we are right now the sons, children of God. Right now. Not one day when we all get to heaven. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that'll be. No, a day of rejoicing right now. It'll be then too, but right now we're the sons, the children of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be. Sin still so clouds our, our seeing these things by faith, what God's truly made us, but our sin doesn't change what we already are. It just makes it harder to see. And that's why we can, cannot look within. Stop looking within. Boy, why do we do that? Uh, that's why we got to look to Christ alone. We don't find any hope or, or any encouragement when we look within. We know what we are. When we look within, our sin tells us, well, you wouldn't do these things if you were saved. Our sin tries to convince us that the that only one who's lost would do and think and say the things that we do. But that's the beautiful thing about our salvation. And I don't know why people have such a problem with this. Our salvation is not based upon what we do, what we think, or what we say. It's based upon the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the righteousness that He provides for us. And again... People are going to say, oh, you, you, you're giving folks a license to sin. We don't need a license. We do it quite well, don't we? And we're either saved by grace or we're saved by works. If we're saved by God's grace, then it's no more works. And if we're saved by works, then it cannot be by grace. It's one or the other. Now, which is it? Well, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works. It can't be any plainer than that. It's not of works. It's not of making a decision. It's not of walking an aisle. It's not getting in the water. It's not putting your name on a membership. It's not of works. It's by God's grace. It's God's gift to us. Now, if you want to argue about that, you're going to have to argue with God because He's the one that said it. We are His workmanship, not our own workmanship. We're created where? In Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath ordained or prepared for us that we should walk in them. We're not saved by the works that we do. We're created in Christ unto good works, meaning that our good works prove our salvation. Christ is our salvation and our works prove it. 
My, uh, we're motivated by the love, our love for the one that loved us and gave himself for us. We don't want to be displeasing to him. We want to obey him. Friends, we hadn't obtained salvation by works. The scripture says, but the election hath obtained it. That simply means that God chose us to obtain mercy, grace, and life, and righteousness in Christ. Our salvation was based upon uh, His love and mercy and grace because God determined to give it to us in Him. God loved Jacob and hated Esau before they were ever born. Scripture says before they ever did any good or evil. And this is why, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of Him, God, they call it. And those who believe this are right now the children of God. Right now. Right now. Being now justified by His blood, we shall in the day of judgment be saved from wrath through Him, Romans 5, 9. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, we have our fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life, Romans 6.22. But now, we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter, Romans 7.6. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, Romans 8.1. When? Right now. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, Ephesians 2.13. Now, this very minute, this very second, therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Because of Christ, we are right now the sons of God, the children of God. I'm not talking about what we used to be either. I'm not talking, I'm talking about what we are right now. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in God's sight. I was alienated in my wicked works. But now I'm reconciled in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ has presented me to His Father, holy, unblameable, unreprovable in God's sight. Not when we all get to heaven. Right now. I can't look within. There ain't no hope there. Don't look within. Don't look within. I must look to Christ. I've been reconciled in the body of His flesh. I am right now holy and unblameable and unreprovable. Where? In God's sight. That's all that matters. He's the righteous judge. Who shall condemn me? Is Christ that died? Who shall charge any of God's elect? It's God that justifies. It's Christ that died. 
And John says it doesn't yet appear what we shall be, but we know this much. And according to verse 2, when Christ shall appear, when He returns, we shall be what? Just like Him. We'll be like Him in body, fashioned unto His glorious body. Our present mortal bodies, our present corruptible flesh will become immortal and incorruptible. Amen. You know what that means? It means that we'll be free from all imperfections. <laughs> we'll be free from all sorrows, free from all afflictions, free from death. We'll have a perfect knowledge of all things divine. Now I want you to listen to me closely again. When we see Christ, we'll be just like Him. And we'll, and we'll have all these things that we don't presently have. But let me tell you quickly what we do have, and I'll finish. Let me tell you what we presently have. Let me tell you what we have right now. We have within us a new creation. We're a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. All the sin that we've committed, all the sin that we are committing, all the sin that we will commit passed away. Gone. Boy, that's that's a pretty that's 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 a pretty special gift, isn't it? We have a new creation within. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Within us is a divine nature that really loves God. We don't profess to love God. We actually do. Yes, sir. Well, let me ask you, did you wake up this morning and think to yourself, I have to go to church today. I have to go to church this morning. Or did you wake up and say, I get to go to church this morning. That's, what, that's the difference I'm talking about. Did you get up this morning with the attitude, well, it's Sunday morning. You know, it's New Year's Day. Or New Year's Eve day. And church wasn't canceled and I have to go to church. Or did you wake up and say, I'm so glad Brother David didn't cancel service today. I'm so excited because it's such a privilege that I get to go and hear the gospel. The good news for sinners like me who have been made sons and who are just like Christ. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, friends, to a son, a child of God, worship's not a duty. It's a joy. It's a pleasure. It's a privilege. It's a fruit of God's grace. The true son, the true daughter, the true child of God says, I delight to do thy will, O God. They know that Christ's yoke is easy and His burden is light. If you've ever seen someone put a yoke on a team of oxen, uh, they don't like it. They don't. It's not their nature to like it. But the yoke of Christ, it's easy and its burden is light. His commandments are delight. God's Son... God's sons delight in the law of God after the inward man. Their new nature loves the Word of God. Their new nature loves the presence of God. Their new nature loves the promises of God. Tell me again, one more. tell me one more time how God loved sinners and died for them. Their new nature delights in these things. 
Do you delight in the Word of God? I know people who have trouble sleeping, so they read God's Word so they can fall asleep. But the sons of God, those given new natures, those conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, they read the Word of God because they love the Word of God. It's in studying the Word of God that God's Son, God's children, know that every trial, every trouble, every sorrow in this life is ordained by their Heavenly Father. And it's going to result in their good. That's, it's our benefit to, to love this Word and study it. We find out these amazing things. I never knew that. I never knew that. God is working all things together for my good. Those that love the Lord are called according to His purpose. Yes, everything, all things, not just some things, all of them. They know in reading this Word that we're going to have tribulation in this life. It's with much tribulation that we enter into the kingdom of God. But we're cheerful for that tribulation because our Lord, the one whom we're being conformed to, has overcome the world. That's what He said. I've overcome the world. These tribulations that God sends are part of the means that God is using to conform us. And it's those tribulations that teach us patience. And it's the trying of our faith that works patience. And we must let patience have its perfect work that we may be perfect, complete, and entire, perfectly sound, wanting nothing. I have a dear friend that the Lord has blessed materially, hard worker, and he doesn't care much about any of it, really. He... Uh, He's thankful for it, but in Christ, He's complete. In Christ, He's perfectly sound, and He wants nothing because in Christ, He's got everything. That's what I'm talking about. Fade, fade each earthly joy. These things, to, to a child of God who has their eyes and heart on Christ, these things lose their luster, the things of this world do, because we know they're all going to uh, rust and corrupt and, and pass, burn up. They're all going to burn up. How much money my friend has in the bank doesn't matter. How big a house he has, no concern to him. He has the one thing needful, and that's all that he cares about. How do I know that? How do I know that's really what's in his heart? Because he's trying to give his stuff away every chance he gets. He don't mean anything to you if you want to give it away. You need this worse than I do. Here you go. And let me tell you something else. I'm going to throw this in for free, okay? These hirelings who promise you health and wealth and prosperity, two cars and two garages, they don't know anything about the grace of God and His dealings with His children. Don't know a thing about it. Our, God our Father does all things well and God our Father does all things for His children's good. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, and you do, I know you do. Chris and Amy, you, you, uh, I see how good you are to Molly and Will, and I know how good Amanda and Derek are to my grandchildren. Glenn, you and Jerry, I've seen it over the years. I know what you do for your children and your grandchildren. And I know that all that all of you do is uh, 
because you're, you've seen that your heavenly Father gives good things to you. And sometimes these good things that God gives us, they're, they're, they're well disguised. They don't seem good. But they are. He moves in mysterious ways His wonders to perform. But it's all for our eternal good, every bit of it. We learn to be content in whatsoever state we're in Whatever comes our way, we know that God sent it for our good and for His glory. So we rejoice in it. Oh, it's grievous. It hurts sometimes. It, you know, chastening has never been a, a joyous thing. I remember, did your mom used to spank you or your dad and say, I'm doing this because I love you? Phew. I'm doing this for your good. Sure don't feel like it. That's why Paul, who was in prison, now listen, he was in prison. He said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And it's not. We're, scripture says to think on good things. Think on this. This is a good thing. When our Lord Jesus comes to take us to the place that He's prepared for us, when He appears... We're going to be just like Him. Now you think on that. You go into this new year thinking on that, okay? He's not like the world describes Him. He's not a pleading beggar. He's not an incapable Lord. He's not an insufficient Savior. That's what. This is what the Lord said about His return. And I'll give it to you and I'll quit. For as lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Luke 21, 25, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. That's talking to those that trust in Him. So Christ once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. I'm looking to Him because I'm going to be just like Him. And that means no sin. No more sin. No more pain. No more death. No more heartbreak. No more tears. No more sin. It's the cause of all those things. Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him. And they also which pierced Him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of Him. Even so. Amen. But friends, some sinners are going to rejoice because they've been made sons and they've been made daughters and they've been made children of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when He comes, when these sons see Him as He is, they're going to be just like Him. I like saying that. Don't you like hearing it? It's going to be just like Him. Well, may God be pleased to make it so for His glory.
our good and for Christ's sake.